0: of august 2019 this is a room now podcast i'm dr jack cush executive editor of roomnow.com this week in the news the risk of rheumatoid arthritis with antibiotics up or down what do you think barristers doing battles over biosimilars and trends in care for ra spondy psa lupus from germany Let's start with the Nurses' Health Study. They come up with great data with large numbers, but are they really the answer? This particular Nurses' Health Study looked at the risk of developing psoriasis, psoriatic arthritis, or atopic dermatitis based on diet, and specifically based based on whether or not you were on a lot of gluten or very little gluten. I've made the claim that a gluten-free diet, a no-carb, low-carb diet is incredibly effective in psoriasis, psoriatic arthritis, maybe even spondy, but that's just observational. hasn't been really studied, and this is not really studying it either. It's looking at what happens when you compare high gluten intake to low gluten intake, and they found no uh, difference in the risk of developing either psoriasis, psoriatic arthritis, or atopic dermatitis. I'm not sure that's the same as doing an interventional trial in someone who has those disorders and uh, restricting their dietary intake of gluten. That might yield different results, but so far, there's not a lot of enthusiasm for diet in psoriasis, other than losing weight clearly reduces risk and improves disease. A study about gout patients and their risks. So this comes from China, um, and they do have a higher rate of Hashimoto's thyroiditis over there. It's not surprising they saw an association between gout Hashimoto's thyroiditis, but what they did was a study of almost 3,000 patients uh, and then they backed it up with a meta-analysis of uh, 14 different studies and showed that gout patients have a higher risk of developing hypothyroid disease. The odds ratio for women only was 2.44, significantly being higher. Uh, In meta-analyses, the odds ratio was higher for gout patients and hypothyroidism at an odds ratio of 0.151 0.151 or 51% higher, and 1.34 or 34% higher if you were just looking at hyperuricemic individuals. Interesting data. They did find, again, uh, significant associations with thyroiditis, but I don't know what to make of that. We might That might need a uh, study in other populations to be conclusive. This week, Lilly announced the results of a phase four trial that co- compares head to head their IL 17 inhibitor, TALTS, to the uh, Uh, the J&J Tremphia or Gucelcomab, their IL-23 inhibitor in patients with severe plaque psoriasis. This is a skin study, dermatology-only study, and you give them credit in dermatology. They do a lot of head-to-head trials, and it does seem to make a difference in the prescribing patterns of docs, but I'm not sure head-to-head trials have really made that big a difference yet in rheumatology. Nonetheless, this particular study did show significant benefit to TALT over Tremphia As far as posse 100 or total skin clearance at week 12, better posse 75s at week 2, and better posse 90s at week 4 and 8, and I think also 12 for, again, the aisle 17 over the aisle 23. Leave it up to my friends, um, the other podcasters in the world, um, Mike Putnam, who who also looked at this, and Adam J. Brown, who commented on this. Um, Mike Putnam has the evidence based rheumatology. Uh, podcast Adam J Brown has the Ruminations podcast from Helio, check them out. But Mike pointed out that um, the uh, Lancet study that compared Cosentyx to um, Guselkumab, or so Secukinumab versus Guselkumab, seventeen versus twenty-three favored the twenty-three at the six-month time point. Early on, there seemed to be an advantage for the IL-17 inhibitor. So maybe. Lilly's preliminary results in their Phase 4 trial only reflect early responses, which may favor IL-17. Um, they haven't presented all the data. They haven't shown the numbers, but they will show that at an upcoming Durham meeting. We'll have to wait and see what that shows. I did a Twitter poll this week on the issue of when do you use a steroid sparing agent in patients with GCA? So when would you start a Martyr or a biologic in someone who has a diagnosis of GCA? Um, over 200 I don't know, 270 responses. Um, the answer was, was not diabetes, 2%, or after an initial flare, 8%. More people were inclined to use a Biologic or a DMART at the start in 29%, but pro- primarily after they were unable to st- taper steroids. That was 60% of respondents, suggesting that uh, maybe a third of you might consider using this early on. I doubt that the usage pattern reflects that. I think you're thinking about it, but not really doing it.
1: A study of osteoarthritis
0: and quality of life looked at 3,000 patients with osteoarthritis and did an, an analysis on what leads to worsening of quality of life. And not surprisingly, it was uh, female gender, higher BMI, smoking, knee pain, and lower income, uh, such that the patients who had rapid progression of their osteoarthritis to total knee replacement had these features. Um, and, ha- and, and the risk of total knee replacement was six-fold higher if they had these features. So if you're a woman, a smoker, and you're overweight um, and your knee hurts with osteoarthritis, the only thing you can do to save yourself is make more money. And maybe that'll help. I don't know. But obviously, that's a bad uh, combination right there.
1: Another study about
0: osteoarthritis and our use of opioids. Do we really care anymore about opioids? Is it really beating us down? Are we just avoiding it by not prescribing opioids? Well, this particular study looked at the use of opioids in pre-surgical osteoarthritis, where it was primarily being used pre-surgically in spine OA or degenerative arthritis patients, less so in hip and knee. I think it was like 50% of the use and 25 in spine and 25 and 25 in knee. So the rate was about 30% use in pre-surgical OA, and it was used in mostly spine OA compared to knee, but also in obese, smokers, depression, greater pain, higher total joint count, and concurrent use of other pain medicines. Like the other study, it shows that being a smoker, being overweight, um, and having these other cofactors are bad prognostic features for not just outcomes, but also how you're going to manage them therapeutically. Um, Opioids are needed pre-surgically. I think we're sort of wimping out and going along with the flow here. I know it creates a lot of trouble for us, but our job is to treat these patients. And I have no problem using opioids in patients who are pre-surgical. Not for a long time and not for a long time post-surgically, but again, to expect them to get by on ibuprofen and acetaminophen and a dollop of tramadol is kind of idiotic. A case control study from the UK clinical practice database examined 22,000 patients with RA and compared them to 90,000 people in the general population. This was between the years of 1995 and 2017, and found that RA patients who had received antibiotics had a 60% higher risk of developing RA. So that's surprising. Um, Why would it? Remember Thomas McPherson Brown, who was treating RA with tetracyclines and patients having a great response. Again, these are people who had received antibiotics prior to developing RA um, and showed a 60, uh, an odds ratio of 1.60 or 60% higher. The authors postulated that uh, antibiotic use could be detrimental, especially if used inadvertently or inappropriately, and it may do so by changing the microbiome. A nice report comes from the BRASS registry and um, uh, their researchers uh, showing that that RA disease activity drives uh, um, interstitial lung disease in RA. They looked at 1,500 patients in the in the registry and showed that uh, compared to those who were in remission, people who had low disease activity, moderate, and high disease activity had an increased risk of developing RA interstitial lung disease. So the odds ratio here, the hazard ratio here, was 1.41 for low disease activity, 41% higher. You had a doubling of the risk. With a hazard ratio of 2.08 if you had moderate activity and high activity gave you a 3.48 uh, fold increased risk. They calculated that each unit increase in the Dash 28 score led to an increased risk of ILD by as much as 35 percent. So disease activity very important in averting one of the worst complications of RA which is RA lung disease. You may have seen this week that um, Amgen won its court case against Sandoz in the battle over uh, the patent restriction that currently exists for Enbrel, where it's patent-protected in the United States until 2029, Sandoz with its new biosimilar Erelz, which is also known as Etanercept-SZZS, or ZSZZS, that's the suffix abbreviation, which is only seen here in the United States anyway. A New York, uh, excuse me, a U.S. District Court judge upheld um, the current status and rejected Novartis's arguments stating that their Embrel's uh, claim was based on um, claims that have been in existence prior to the current patent restriction. So they had extensions on their patent based on new developments in M-Brel, uh as the drug progressed from its original uh, approval in 1998. That's why it's patent protected until 2029. Uh, the problem here is, of course, we you know we've got a lot of biologics currently in play, and the only ones that actually are available to us are the infliximab and the one, and those are not at a very good discount compared to what's happening in Europe. So the whole biosimilar promise of saving money and allowing more patients to be treated will not be realized in the United States until um, they are available. And it looks like uh, Novartis is going to appeal this particular decision, but where it's going to go is unknown. I'll, I'll direct you to. The last installment, or the fourth installment, may not be the last installment of The War on RA, this one is called Desperado, um, It's Time to Open the Gate. Uh, as you know, I've been doing a series called The War on RA for the last month with four installments, uh, and in this one, I wrap up why I've had all those Eagle song drops in there, why I talk so much about the Eagles and Glenn Fry, who died in January of 2016 from rheumatoid arthritis, and... IBD and complications thereof, including pneumonia. that He died from in New York in January 2016. Uh, It's a story about why we can do better, why it should inspire us to be greater than we currently are. And we are currently great at managing RA. But uh, where is the innovation going to come from? I like the line, innovation is when you drive a pirate ship into the yacht club and see what happens. Innovation involves taking chances. Knowing that you may fail, but knowing that taking chances leads to greater or newer or better outcomes. We need a war on RA. Lastly, an interesting report comes from Germany where they talk about trends in the care of not just rheumatoid arthritis, but a host of autoimmune disorders or inflammatory disorders, specifically rheumatoid arthritis, uh, ankylosing spondylitis, psoriatic arthritis, and lupus. So what they found was a number of things. Um, uh, there's an increasing use of biologics, a decreasing reliance on steroids. Methotrexate remains a standard of care in RA, not surprising. Um, worked absenteeism has actually decreased. Looking at the epidemiology, it looks like the age of onset uh, has actually um, increased over time for many of these disorders, particularly so in seronegative RA, where the age of onset Uh, has increased from 95 to 2015 by as much as six years later the age of onset has not changed in patients with lupus Um, the use of rheumatologists kind of interesting in that we like to see patients earlier and we think that we should see most of these patients Uh, while the use of rheumatology as a consultant has increased for all the diseases it still remains very low in ankylosing spondylitis so in ra Uh, RA patients are seen by rheumatologist 73% of the time, lupus 71% of the time, PSA 66% of the time, but only 45% of the time with ankylosing spondylitis. The time to referral has decreased from 95 to 2015, from one year to a half year in RA. From uh, five years to 2.1 years in AS, still too long. From, uh, what was it, two years to 0.6 years in PSA. These are all encouraging data. I don't think we're doing that well in the United States as far as referral and being seen by the rheumatologist. And lastly, trends in drug therapy were interesting. Uh, Biologics have increased to about 30% across the board, 28% in RA by 2016, 33% in PSA, and 50% of AS patients are taking a biologic in 2016. These trends have gone up quite a bit since they were first introduced at the turn of the century in 2000. So that's it for this week on Room Now. You can go to the website to see these links uh, and read up more about these interesting studies. Tune in next week to the Room Now podcast.